Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. This is a special edition that we're now starting in the post game. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can get one. Give us a five-star review when you do listen and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. And I'm your host, Kami Amurabi, and joined by my co-host in, I think, Oklahoma City. Are you in Bricktown, Stephen, or in the Midtown? I, I am in the heart of OKC right now. I'm at uh, I'm calling in from some place called Taps. Not sure. It's It's right in the middle. I'm in some building downtown. <laughs> How do you, you? I'm assuming you watched the game there, yeah. Well, I watched the game at uh, I watched the game at Louis, um, and then the podcasting equipment got transported here for a for a different job. So I met him here, and uh, apparently they don't have Wi-Fi. So now we're calling in from uh, this was this Uber conference. Yeah. So interesting things, but hey, I thought the stadium looked good as far as the people in there because we've seen stadiums on TV that looked completely empty, but this one, like it looked like they a socially distanced pretty well and also gave the illusion of there were more fans there than there actually were. And then apparently they were also piping in sound noise. What did you think of the stadium? So I, I'm kind of comparing this to what Kansas city did. And a lot of those groups were just together. Like, there was a bunch of people together. Um, I thought OU kind of spread it out a little bit more across the stadium, at least on the lower side of the bowl. Um, and it actually looked pretty good. It didn't look too too far off. Yeah. And the fact that they pumped in crowd noise is just... Yeah, that was nice. It made it seem a little bit more real. But, yeah, it was... This was the, especially the first half, this was the worst ass beating I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I have never seen, like, even counting the Texas A&M thing in, in 2003, 77 to nothing, I, this first half looked way worse than that. There was no, there. it was clearly there was no competition. Oklahoma was just physically, like, I think Oklahoma's linebackers were bigger than their offensive line. And yeah. it, it was just a not good situation from the get-go. Some people were anxious because they were missing so many bodies, especially along the defensive line. And Oklahoma went two, four, five several times, and it didn't matter. And so this was just like, again, I kept on thinking to myself, 
oh my gosh, this is the worst ass beating I've ever witnessed. Like it was just so bad, so bad. I mean, what, what were your takes on it? Uh, going into the game, I mean, Missouri State isn't known for their football. And even with Petrino there um, and the abbreviated, abbreviated uh, what is it, fall camp basically for him, he wasn't able to install a lot of the, the things he would like to do. Um, he did bring in some some decent talent from uh, from transfers and JUCO guys, but uh, with the time they had, it was just there was no chance that against Oklahoma from the get go. Um, Oklahoma's talent was just better across the board at every single position. Yeah, it, it was very clear that even Oklahoma's freshmen were just far better than anybody on that team. That says a lot. I mean, it was a four, forty-eight to nothing game, and Oklahoma scored forty. They had forty-one points at halftime, so. I mean, that, that'll tell you a lot of how the half went, especially with Spencer Rattler. They covered the spread. There were a lot of guys out, man. Um, first of all, the broadcast crew was just god-awful. For Let's let's mention that. They had Burgess no idea. Yeah, they had, they had no in. idea who was playing at all. They kept on talking about how Anton Harrison was – it was incredible that he was starting – as a fresh, true freshman left tackle, and I was like, dude, he's that's not him. Like, read the jersey, like, look at the jersey number. And but they should be like the most connected. Yeah, that's an outstanding. Like Chuck Long, too. Out. Chuck Long keeps on saying, oh, I graduated from Oklahoma. My grandparents did, and my kids did. I'm like, well, geez, bro, I think you would cover the if you were going to cover them, you'd be a little more in tune with that, but I guess not. But yeah, Gabe Burkich, he didn't realize Gabe Burkich was uh kicking. Until the fifth time up that Gabe whoever Burkish else was tweeting during the game. Yeah, that's what I see. He, he's, you see that? He said he's, he forgot to set his alarm. He's like, whoops. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's one of the things like uh, the Anton Harrison thing, the Gabe Burkish thing. Um, it kind of took away from the actual game experience, at least for and for me, um, being, you know, kind of aware of who was going to be in, who was going to be out. Right. Um, and it just kind of seemed like this was a patchwork game, uh, at least for the broadcast crew. It it it, it definitely did. And it just, just so many guys out, and it was the last second too. So I, I honestly understand why the guys would not necessarily know the names of you know the players or the guys out in the field because they were just assuming what they saw on the depth chart. And then all of a sudden, yeah. can, we we knew people were going to be out for the game, but the general well, public Harrison. About yeah. midweek, his name popped up. But the, the general population did not know until right before the game, by a tweet, that substantial amounts of players would be missing. They, their defensive line depth already is tiny, and it was far less than it was when we thought it was tiny. So not a lot of good coming out of that, but it didn't really matter in the end. Um, now let's talk about Rattler. Let's get out of the way. Holy Jesus. <laughs> it's a far cry from uh, Jalen Hurts. Rattler's 14 to 17, 290 yards, four touchdowns. Should have had six because one of them was a beautiful bucket, perfect pass to Rambo, who just dropped it. He pinned it against his chest. The other one was a pass over the middle to Austin Stogner, high and tight, like Bake and Kyler would generally yeah. deliver. And it hit him in the hands and it just ricocheted because it was a laser frozen rope right to his hands. And he also missed that. So those ended up being a set of 14 points, a set of six touchdowns for Rattler, who would have thrown 16 to 17. It was six points, 
because who's it? What was the new kicker's name? Like oh, Steven Johnson or something like that? Yeah. That sounds right. Hey, still still not missing any kicks though, so that's good. Uh but man, like how would you characterize Spencer Rattler's day? I mean, or his half. I mean, I thought it was pretty on par. Um it's hard to take anything like away from it just because it's Missouri State. You're not seeing a, a, right. a Big 12 defense or even SEC defense, a Big 10 defense, that kind of thing. Um, so he was going to have a day regardless. Uh, what I did like was he was hitting guys in stride. Um, he was making the right reads. He didn't look panicked at all. Um, there were some, some sacks there that he probably could have just dumped the ball away. Yeah, I agree with that. Or gotten out of the pocket a little bit earlier. But um, overall, I mean, it was a pretty good day for him. I think I kept on thinking about you just what you just said about Spencer Rattler maybe sticking in the pocket too long. I I remember and think back to Baker Mayfield and saying that you know sometimes he kept on hunting the big plays instead of going to his checkdowns and that was after the 2016 I that was I think that was 2016 and when he just started doing checkdowns he became a lot more serviceable after that Ohio State loss I believe or no after the Houston loss. And that's what I thought of Rattler. I saw, you know, Rattler was having so much success. I mean, his his first plays were a bomb, you know? Yeah. So, like, why would you want to go underneath when what you're throwing is money and these Missouri State defensive backs just can't keep up? So, just incredible, incredible half by Rattler. He's going to be on the front page of the newspapers tomorrow. We all know it. And another thing to mention is the freshmen that were involved really played incredibly well. Seth McGowan. Uh, Mikey Henderson, uh, Marvin Mims, all the Marvin Mims showed out big time. Seth McGowan yeah. looked like looked like Rod, like it looked like Rodney Anderson was back at o- Oklahoma. Just he lost a lot of muscle, and so I only can imagine what Seth McGowan is going to look like in one year when he actually is muscled up and can probably jump six boxes on a box jump like Rodney Anderson could. Yeah, that's even without like a full summer's worth of workout. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought McGowan looked. I mean, one of my predictions was I thought McGowan was going to lead the team in rushing. Um, he I believe did he so, did. And, you know, yeah. Um, I, that was that was assuming that TJ Pledger was going to play, and obviously um, he's out with either contact tracing or quarantine, that kind of thing. Um, but I thought he looked really, really good. Um, the other thing, Marvin Mims, um, he looked like not. He didn't look like a freshman at all. I mean, no, he, he looked like a guy that's been there for a while. Um, the one big surprise would be Mikey Henderson, I think. Um, he had a, a, a big role in that offense, especially in the passing game. Man, it, it's knowing that he's he's pushing 245 pounds and that he looks that fluid and has that ability as a quick twitch guy, that should scare the hell out of Big 12 teams that yeah. he can play it as, as an H-back as a fullback, as a running back, whatever the Sooners want him to. He is Josh Norman, elite, kind of like athlete sort of guy. Like you said, I agree. Mims 100% did not look like a freshman at all. I mean, you could if they zoomed in on him and you saw his arms, then you'd be like, okay, he's a freshman because he doesn't have – just like, just like McGowan. Just a small guy. Yeah, just like McGowan, they didn't get a proper off season. And even if they did, they wouldn't be that big yet. So next year, it's just going to be incredible what they will look like. And then, uh, yeah, McGowan, man, just, he runs violently. He runs violently. 
quick twitch, one cut and go. Uh, is going to run dudes over, especially next year. He's a guy that's ready to contribute now, and, and he looked by by far the best runner. I, I think I think by a lot of the by the evening, uh, by the game was over. A lot of people were preferring Seth McGowan to uh, Marcus Major, even though that's not necessarily the most accurate or you know intelligent choice. Yeah. What do you think? I thought Marcus Major got caught um, kind of dancing a little bit. I thought mm-hmm. McGowan was the more decisive runner. Uh, the the run blocking obviously didn't help either either of the the two backs, but um, McGowan just looked so natural um, in the backfield, whereas Marcus Major was kind of I don't know if he was just trying to make a play out of nothing or just kind of wanted to rely on his athleticism. He just didn't look the part. Right. Yeah, and and so it was a little odd day for Marcus Major and. Maybe, I mean, we'll see what happens in two weeks and when everybody's back. But that offensive line, I mean, all the all the dudes were there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like all the guys. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they shifted around Ely from right to left, and then or Swenson at right, and maybe that messed with the uh, stuff between the, the offensive line that. and the chemistry. So we'll see what happens in two weeks when Anton Harrison is there. But man, the defense. I know we need to temper our expectations. Is Missouri State? They're not. They're technically Division One, but barely, right? And so yeah. the defense, but the defense attacked early and often, and they were flying around the ball. And not necessarily the fact that they looked that good, because I mean it is Missouri State. Guys like Brian Mead looked really good against Missouri State, but he wouldn't look really good against a team like Alabama. But the amount of guys flying around the ball, but also not even needing a second guy to come up, just guys getting other dudes down, tackling them, not missing tackles. Well, that was encouraging as far, as far as how little training, how little practice they've had, especially in this weird year. Yeah. Uh, I thought uh, Brian Osimo really took a step forward there. Um, I kind of looked at his offseason where he kind of – he did that what was the K-State game. He did a pretty good, pretty good game mm-hmm. there. Or maybe yeah. TCU, um, and then he kind of disappeared. Uh, I thought he looked very, very good in this game. Um, he was just flying to the ball, making the one read and going, kind of like that that Kenneth Murray mold. God, um, talk about David Aguebu too. Yeah, David Aguebu. He's the backup right now. He's the backup. He's not even, he's not even the starter, and he he looks like maybe the best linebacker of the squad. He had he, he when he tackled that Missouri State. I think it was a quarterback. I don't remember. But when he ran across the field and just horse collared that runner, it looked it reminded me of Kenneth Murray last year. But yeah, you have everybody around him is like six foot two, right? And like six two, two two thirty. <laughs> and then David Aguebe was in the middle of the damn defense, six foot four, five. six foot five, two forty five, two fifty, long arms, long legs, like holy crap, that's a thing. And the guy can run. And so, I mean. I know he's not the starting linebacker right now. And we mentioned this for a couple of weeks, right? And especially you did. Although he's not the starting linebacker right now at the will spot where Asamoah is, you might consider thinking he might eclipse that job by the middle of the season, right? Yeah. And it's one of those things. He just has to make the transition. Um, yeah. Being an edge guy, you're almost just reading one side of the field. Being an inside backer, um, it's so much different. You're looking both ways. you got to make some reads. Um, you got a lot more uh, responsibilities to take care of. So 
it's going to take some time to really adapt to that, but he just really looked the part tonight. Definitely, definitely. And looking the part tonight, Oklahoma had three near misses or three misses on turnovers on the defensive side. Just <laughs> it went through the guy's hands, went through the guy's hands, couldn't get it. And finally, right after Tanner Mordecai throws an interception in the end zone, by the way, that's another seven points off the board. Oklahoma gets Delarian Turner Yale and INT off of a horribly thrown ball, nearly housed it, but Oklahoma finally got an interception for the first time in a while. And I bet Alex Grinch was ecstatic. I bet he, actually, I bet Alex Grinch was getting pissed the entire game as far as how many interceptions they dropped. Oh, did you see him on the, the sideline after Trey Brown uh, dropped that one interception? Oh, no, was it? Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> it's just like, man. They're up 41 nothing. He's just like, just ripping dudes on the sideline. Perfect. You know, you got to be you gotta be perfect. You got to set the bar high. And I just assume that some of these guys were infected by Kerry Cooks and now cannot catch footballs. So once the guys that were recruited by Cooks are gone, looks like it's turnover city. Uh, the big thing was the opportunities were there. Uh, I mean, they did capitalize on a couple. Trey Browns, you got to kind of give him some credit there just because I don't think he was expecting the ball to just fly into his hands right away. Right. Um, I think he was going for the receiver. So he gets a little bit of leniency there. But um, it's definitely some, some plays where they'd like to have him back. Right. And let's talk about yardage just a minute. And, and, this, and this yardage was interesting because – Missouri State did not eclipse 100 total yards until the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, Oklahoma had over almost 500 yards passing, but Oklahoma did not even reach 100 rushing yards, rushing yards till the fourth quarter. Are you at all concerned about the rushing yards there, or was Oklahoma just really fetishing on the pass to see what they had in each quarterback as a, as an essential like glorified scrimmage? I definitely think it's something to watch for, uh, but I don't know if it's something to panic over. Uh, I think Oklahoma wanted to see what they had in Rattler, um, especially as a, as a gunslinger, and I think that he proved it tonight um, that he can, he can throw the ball all over the field. Um, at the same time, you have to give Beaton Bodes Lions uh, a couple games, three games, four games to really settle in um, and be one of the better offensive lines in the country, and that's happened in the past, so um, I'm not too worried about it. If it's, you know, if it's by Texas and they still have the same problem, um, I think you definitely have to sound the alarms by then. Right. I mean, that's to say that Spencer Rattler had all damn day to throw the ball. I mean, right. So it's they the were, they were, blocking was the they were fine and pass pro, but the run blocking, I think it was an issue, but at the same time, they didn't show anything. They, they were just straight ISOs. They did some stretch yeah. plays with McGowan and that was nice. Because McGowan, uh, he looks like he is a very instinctual running back. He knows where he wants to go, and he's very decisive, like you said earlier. I did, I don't remember them running that much GT counter, and that's the thing they love to do at Oklahoma. One. You didn't see it? I don't think. Did they? Did you see it at all? I don't remember, but I I was just in all the ass kicking because well they, they didn't have to do it that much because Spencer Rattler is throwing the damn ball over the yards. I I didn't. I, I didn't see any GT counter, but if I'm sure if I go back and rewatch, I'm sure we will have seen a couple, but they definitely did do some stretch plays. But other than that, it was straightforward ISO blocking. Yeah, and you know, they're still playing guys out of position. Obviously, Ely play Ely playing yeah. on the left side, um, naturally a right tackle. 
Um, so it's going to take a little bit. They need to get their guys healthy or at least out of quarantine uh, to really prove what they have. Definitely. And so we have to go for a break for our sponsors, but after that, please stick around. We've got some helmet stickers for guys on offense and defense, what the moment of the game was, and then we're wrapping up with some of your Twitter and Discord questions, and that's about it. So we'll check you guys after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Steven, helmet sticker time. So, of course, it's really, really simple. We're going to pick two dudes from offense and two dudes from defense that we really think deserve something special uh, that really showed out in the day. Here are your two guys from offense getting helmet stickers. Are we automatically just assuming Spencer Rattler gets one tonight? Yeah, I would I would assume that would be automatic, yes. Just, just take that out of there. Yeah. Um, so I'll go, I'll go Seth McGowan. Um, I saw what I wanted to see from him. I wanted to see a running back that uh, really took charge, was more decisive as a runner. Um, he wasn't perfect, but he was enough to really get OU by on the running side, especially after losing guys um, and especially not having Stevenson there, TJ Pledger there. Um, let's assume they're not out the rest of the season. Uh, McGowan would be would be would serve us just well. And the yeah. other guy would be Marvin Mims. I thought Marvin Mims looked great, um, especially on that second drive where he got open in the backfield, made the catch. Uh, I think it was a one-drive, 58-yard um, pass and touchdown. So those are my two. Yeah, I'm going to say, of course, you always got to go with Spencer Rattler. I mean, geez, like I've, I've, we have not seen a freshman quarterback. Like, uh, Sam Bradford's redshirt freshman quarterback year was pretty special, but he didn't do that. But again, we'll see the quality of competition as it increases and Oklahoma goes to play Kansas State. We'll see what that looks like. But so I'll go Spencer Rattler on offense, but also on offense, if I didn't get a chance to go Spencer Rattler, I would say Kale Gundy and Roy uh, Dennis Simmons because they had a lot of wide receivers ready. You had Theo Howard who had moments yeah. in the game that were really good. You had... Charleston Rambo catch several balls and just drop one of the touchdowns. You had Finn Corwin, who I was jokingly picked as my <laughs> pregame MVP, who had a touchdown and almost another touchdown. You had uh, Marvin Mims, as you suggested earlier, just a lot of guys ready to play. And so you have to credit their coaches there, especially with the amount of wide receivers they didn't have available. So just really good coaching. So I'm giving coaches, uh, I guess, visor stickers as they can have them, but, what about the two dudes on defense they're going to give them to? Uh, I would give it to DeLaren Turner-Yell. Obviously, he had the turnover, but I thought he looked really good um, coming downhill against the run, against the short passes, that kind of stuff. So I'll give him a helmet sticker. And the other would be David Aguebu, um, a guy that you know, doesn't have much experience in the position, but the physical talent is there. I mean, he just looked really, really good tonight. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did, and especially with his stature. Just going to be an elite athlete at Oklahoma for the next three years. 
And so I'm going to go two different ways then. I'm, I've am i got Buki. I thought Buki looked really good, especially yeah. in the places that he, when he was in position to make a play, he did make that play for the most part. And then the other guy on defense I'm going to go with is, I said, I said this jokingly again the other night, that people are going to rave about Isaiah Thomas. But man, this guy was living in that backfield and he was like he was getting past three guys that tried to block him and they just couldn't get a hand on him. So that shows you Missouri State's quality of player. I mean, I know that they had a freshman offensive lineman playing at Missouri State. You know, he's right from he's from Norman, Oklahoma. Grant Goodson. He's he's a Norman Tiger, just like what it's September. He was a Norman Tiger four months ago. And now you're starting against the Oklahoma Sooners <laughs> where guys are huge and fast and they go to the NFL. And so, man, well, Grant, good homecoming, bro. But it's, I'm really sorry what happened to your team and, and your, your quarterback. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Buki and Isaiah Thomas, who played really well. And just a lot of credit to, you know, again, all those all the defensive guys for staying for staying pat because, Again, we talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Oklahoma's defensive line depth could be an issue. I said, could it be possible to use Benito and John Michael Terry on both edges as a two-four-five, which is like everybody's go-to in NCAA or Madden as far as a nickel where you just want to get a blitz on? And they did it several times, so it worked. But what was the moment of the game for you? Like, think of the cameras flashing, the moment of the game. Uh. I think it's that throw in the first series. I think it was Rattler to Jeremiah Hall. It wasn't a touchdown, but I think mm-hmm. it was a, they landed just on the, the, the one-yard line. I was like, that throw, that's something we did not see last year at all. That's that's a Baker, that's a that's a Kyler throw right there. So I think um, right off the bat, I thought that was that was really, really good. Yeah, that, that first one, man. The, the, you, could, you could almost say several. I think his second it, touchdown... I think his second touchdown was it for me because it was just a flip. It was so effortless. It looked like it was so natural, just one flick of the wrist, and it was a touchdown. I think Rambo, I believe. can't remember, though. Uh, but it was just a long touchdown pass, just housed it, and just so, so genuine, so easy. And I, I've been making this joke about Jalen Hurts the entire time. You know, it's it's nice to see a quarterback throw over the middle. It's nice to see a quarterback be able to rip it up the seams. Yeah, gosh, we it, it feels like forever that we haven't seen an accurate quarterback. But this, Rattler was throwing darts. I think you could pick really any or any of his throws. I mean, the man didn't shouldn't have only he should only thrown one incomplete pass. So, moment yeah. of the night though, that long bomb to to Rambo, it was just sick. It, it just it looks too easy. It looked too easy. But let's start to wrap this thing up. We have Twitter questions, but also Discord questions. So if you're not in the Discord, you should ask us later how to do that, and we'll tell you how. But so Boomer Sooner 5 says, he has two questions. He says, thoughts on OU selling Fletcher's corny dogs at the game, and we should rate <laughs> Tanner Mordecai's performance on a scale of 1 to 100. So what do you got? I think I'm going to let some people down right here. I think I don't think I've had a Fletcher's corny dog before. You're not alone. I have not also have one had one. But next time I go, probably next season, because there's only twenty thousand uh, tickets available, uh, I'll probably have one. Maybe maybe at a state fair. I'm sure they have them there. So uh, 
I assume it's a good thing. I've never never had one, but it sounds sounds legit. What about Tanner Mordecai's performance? Um, I think a lot of people are going to look at that that uh, interception. It was a bad throw. Let's not let's not try to sugarcoat it right there. But it was a bad throw. Other than that, I thought he looked pretty serviceable for a backup. I mean, it was what. 14 to 17, 160 yeah. yards or 150 yards. So yeah, he, he wasn't uh, bad. I'll give it, uh, I'll give it a 70 out of a hundred. That's fair. That's fair. For a backup. Yeah. And so I've also never had a Fletcher's corny dog, but I hear uh, from what we understand, they are the go-to at the state fair. So, I think that's intriguing, but as far as taste, I don't know. I'm sorry I've let you down as well. Tanner Mordecai, yeah, I was thinking while he was throwing the ball before, that just that awful decision to throw it in across his body, I believe. I, I believe he threw it across his body into like double coverage. Yikes, bro. Um, but other than that, he looked pretty okay. He did look startled uh, a few times, and you wish he would be a little bit more decisive. He had a little bit of happy feet, but he definitely, I think Lincoln make it could make it work as a backup quarterback. Yeah. And, and Tanner Mordecai, remember, uh, he's coming off injury, so he didn't yeah. really get a full fall camp there. He missed apparently seventy five percent of camp. So, so makes sense, right? Not, not the best, not the best. But yeah, Mordecai. I mean, he's a guy that's not going to throw the ball down deep for you, even though him. He and Theo Howard connected a few times, and it looked really nice. But Mordecai seems like a guy that likes to throw the ball underneath and take his shots occasionally, whereas Rattler is always willing to take a shot. But, yeah, I, if I had a greatest performance, I'd be at about 70, 75, somewhere average, not above average, or not not excellent, but just pretty average. Uh, Sunshine asked if I was still sober, and I believe I responded to you in the Discord, and uh, I have... I may be under the influence, but I, I drank water this evening. So um, next question comes from Ryan Chapman at Radio's Ryan, uh, you know, the Thunder crew from the franchise. We actually met them the other night at the Big B Summit, didn't we, didn't we Stephen? The Big B Summit. Ryan's a huge fan of the podcast, uh, Big B Ally. So it's good to see him um, getting a question in. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's a good dude and Chelsea fan. He says, Pulisic and Rattler, who you got and why? And Steven, are you are you well versed in soccer to know who Pulisic is? Uh I talked about soccer today, but it was more about the salaries. I don't yeah. really know soccer players. All right. Well, Christian Pulisic is probably the best American player ever, and he's just still in his early twenties. He plays in one of the best teams in in probably the best league in the world. Oh, we did bring this up. Okay. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, and so for me, who I have and why? Oh man, that's this seems like it seems like an this is an odd question. It's a really good question, actually. I mean, if I'm looking for a national title and if I'm looking for great, great, great satisfaction, I'm probably going to go with Spencer Rattler because we know what we're getting in Spencer Rattler. But if I'm going for a feel-good story. And if I'm going for something that'll make me proud of, like, um, America, I guess, their sports <laughs> program, uh, I guess we go with Christian Pulisic because Spencer Rattler is going to win a championship. He's going to win a, a championship of some sort. 
it definitely a Big 12, might be national title, and then maybe Super Bowl. I don't know. He's definitely going to the NFL. I think that's obvious. Whereas Christian Pulisic, he's a shining star on a turd of a U.S. team, but he actually gets to show he's really, really good in the EPL when he plays for my favorite team in Chelsea. But So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take Rattler, but you know why. Do you have any opinion on this? I'll go Rattler as well, um, just because I've seen him play. I have no idea what Christian Pulisic looks like. Um, apparently, he's very wealthy, very wealthy guy. Uh, yeah, he, he is. But as far as athletes, uh, quarterback at a Division One level, it's hard to beat that that sort of uh, athleticism and know-how to to run that position. So I'll go Rattler. I think it's a fair take. I think it's a fair take. And so this next question is from at Alavi Vaughn, I think. Uh, he says, what can we expect from McGowan going forward? He looked like the most explosive and decisive of the running backs today. I think you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's probably RB1, at least until Pledger gets back. Um, obviously, we haven't really seen Pledger in, in the full full games or the snaps, um, but it's hard to bet against McGowan, especially after that performance today. You know, I'm going to say, I'm I'm definitely not going to say that he's RB one. I think he, I think he honestly is still going to be the third back, but if somebody does go down with injury, I'm not going to be at all surprised if he gets a significant amount of snaps. They're definitely not going to shy away from definitely not going to shy away from giving him snaps. I just think they believe a lot in pleasure and what pleasure has. And then maybe Marcus major didn't get a fair shake, but who knows? I'm also watching Kansas just going down 21 points against coastal Carolina at home. Oh my gosh. That's oh, I think I think I think I picked uh Kansas. I did. Picks. I also picked Kansas. I did not yeah, know not they were I picked Florida State too. I even talked about taking Georgia Tech. I was like Georgia <laughs> Tech might might be a pretty good pick here and I went ahead and did Florida State anyways. Yeah, just gosh, man, the Big 12 sucks ass today. <laughs> they have been god off like we knew we knew that that Kansas State game was probably going to happen because Kansas State always plays awful in the beginning of the year, especially against teams that are pretty yeah. okay. In Louisiana, formerly Louisiana Lafayette, they're usually pretty okay, they, and they have a really good team this year, especially for the, the the fun belt. But oh my goodness, they got throttled! Like they throttled Iowa State. Uh, I didn't get to watch that game because I had to, I had to go into work a little bit. Uh, but just looking at the box score, I was like, good Lord. Like, what, and, like, what even happened in that game? What did they in do? Louisiana missed two field goals, too. It should have been a lot worse. It's, it, they just completely kicked their ass, and Brock Purdy looked bad, and it was just no good. Oh, Iowa State also didn't have Charlie Kolar, but, man, I don't think Charlie Kolar is going to make you four touchdowns yeah, difference. that's true. And, but So it, it, it was bad. It was a bad day for the Big 12, but OU and Texas – stay holding the brand. So I guess that's working for them. This next question is from at Gonzo strange, strange love, which is always one of my favorite, one of my favorite ads. He says, how much of a concern is Rattler's problem with escaping pressure? We've gotten spoiled with the escapability of our last three quarterbacks. Oh, you had had trouble running up the middle. Much of the game. Is this matter of young guys? Uh, is this a matter of young guys in less than optimal positioning? He said pass blocking was A+. plus. So what do you think? Rattler escaping pressure. And we we already touched up on the running back situation, I believe. But if you want to go ahead. 
Yeah, um, I don't know if it's that big of a problem. I think we both expected Rattler to have those moments where he kind of tries to do too much. Even even Lincoln Riley kind of alluded to it. Um, it's a matter of him not trying to do too much um, to make a play happen. Just kind of take what you can get. And that that just comes with experience. I mean, it's not going to be an ongoing thing, or at least it, it shouldn't be, um, just based on the, the past few quarterbacks. So I'm not that concerned about it. Yeah, I'm I'm not concerned about it either. I think I think that's a thing that Oklahoma's gonna look at on tape this weekend or whenever tomorrow and just Lincoln Riley's gonna say, A, either dump it off or B just you know, just get out of the pocket because he tried to yeah. stay it, it seemed like he tried it seemed like he was too patient, which hello, that's what you would rather have than being completely yeah. impatient. That's that's kind of People were like, "Oh, he's a he's got a gunslinger's mentality, and he's going to throw interceptions as a young quarterback." And instead of rushing himself, which he had all day, so he used all day. He didn't try to force things. He was just really patient. And when things weren't open, uh, he just you know he took the sack. And you yeah. would rather him see get out of it, but still, you'd rather see him show patience against a team like Missouri State than anything else when he has the ability to be aggressive. Right. As far as the running thing, I'm not too concerned. I mean, Seth McGowan was very decisive, and he sh- was able to get upfield. The second half, they were running with the threes and <laughs> walk-ons at and true freshman offensive line that or they're just throwing them together. So I'm not worried about the offensive line running yet. Yeah, they're going to get better. It's yeah, they just, will. It's just a matter of getting them together and then getting that that gel to go, you know, um, mm-hmm. into Kansas State and then into Iowa State. Yep. And this last question is from at J. It's either JT Erios or J Tyrios, one of the two. He says, <laughs> "How does Rattler compare to Patrick Mahomes? Just highlights, but looks effortless on to throw deep." And that's a good question. I've often actually talked about how I think Spencer Rattler does remind me of Patrick Mahomes, and I said that as Pat when as as uh, Rattler was in. In college, not in college, in high school, just looking at his film coming out of Arizona, it, he reminded me a ton of Patrick Mahomes. He uses a ton of arm, different arm angles. He he can over overthrow it. You know, he can he whip it to the side just like a baseball pass. Rattler is a pure athlete and a pure quarterback, and he has the wheels, as we saw. I didn't know he had that a little bit of shake in him. So I I feel like Patrick Mahomes is a really good comparison to what. Spencer Rattler is what do you think I'm not there yet um but I think there's definitely some similarities there um I think the throw I think the uh the throw to Jeremiah Hall that looked a lot like uh Pat Mahomes like just throwing off multiple platforms um just the arm strength in general um I think that's more Pat Mahomes like I'd like to see him you know kind of a little bit better as a runner um Mm. but you know there's some similarities there i'm not ready to make the direct comparison yeah i've I've just always thought about you know these guys are both young they're of course they're both young but they're both just really talented with their arm and they've got some legs to it as well and i'm gonna catch hate for this because i always i always do but uh i always would rather have had Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield on Oklahoma's team. <laughs> Patrick Patrick Mahomes Someone was the better quarterback. Out. He was the better quarterback. 
Yeah. So and I, I, NFL, I, yeah. I held that opinion when when Mahomes was at Tech. It, it's not an NFL thing. So my that my comments are very clear. So, man, what did we learn from this game before we get out of here? I, I don't want to be like a, a Debbie Downer, but I didn't really take too much away from it. Um, the main thing we learned was that, you know, OU didn't really struggle against Missouri State, and that's kind of what we expected. Um, if it was the opposite, then we'd have a lot to talk about, but um, they looked apart against a team that really had no chance at all. So um, I'd like to see some improvement, especially in the run blocking, I guess. Um, but other than that, you know, it was kind of business as usual for this one. Yeah, I feel like we didn't learn much. I felt like we did learn that Oklahoma is indeed much better than Missouri State, and they should have. They should have. They dominated like they should have. But I also felt like we learned that, okay, Spencer Rattler does indeed have a live arm, and Marvin Mims is a guy that will definitely contribute. Uh, we didn't learn much yeah. from the defense at all. They they, yeah, they completely overmatched everybody in Missouri State. Yeah. So I mean, I mean it was fun to watch. Not a lot to take away. Yeah, not a lot to gain, but it was fun to watch some real football and for OU just to just beat some ass for three straight hours. I mean, but again, not a lot of learning going on here. But I think that about does it in with us. Uh, Steven, you want to tell them where they can find the Discord? Because a lot of you guys did ask questions and you did come from the Discord. So tell them about the Discord. Yeah, we put out a Discord link tonight, uh, actually before the game too. Um, just a little invite, you just click the link, um, it either directs you to the app or the website, but basically, um, it's a live chat room forum setting, um, a lot of OU fans in there, we kind of have a live game th- thread going, so, um, just look it on Twitter for that, and if you don't see it, just contact one of us, just, you know, drop a little DM. Yeah, and I've been getting several and several more of those from people that just wanted to get in, so, it's a great community, and I recommend you guys join it, but anyways, go ahead and follow us on SBNation's Crimson Cream Machine.com. Follow us on our Twitters. You can follow me at Kamarabi and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdated SB. You can follow at CC Machine, which that's what I was tweeting from tonight. And I felt like my golden tweet about, you know, Sooners 41 and then the Bears. I put Petrino's face. I put it out on the wrong Twitter account. And I'm really <laughs> sad about that. But, anyways. It was really nice. It was a really nice Saturday, first of all. And it was really, really nice to have some sense of normalcy and to watch the Sooners yeah. play. And they should have hung half a hundred, but LinkedIn let them get the extra snap off. But it was good to see them play. And I'm looking forward to two weeks and seeing a little bit more of the roster available. But until next time, we'll check you guys later.